welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. There's these two rednecks. <laughs> these two rednecks and uh, um, a boat fishing. It's another fishing joke, but two rednecks in a boat fishing, and one of them's named Bubba, one of them's named Billy Bob. So they're fishing, kind of quiet, you know, just fishing. Finally, Bubba says to Billy Bob, he says, you know, I think I'm going to divorce the wife. Billy Bob says, why are you going to divorce your wife? Bubba says, she ain't spoke to me in two months. Billy Bob said, I don't know. He said, I'd think about that if I were you. It's hard to find a woman like that. <laughs> All right, so I mean, <laughs> she ain't spoke to me in two months. All right, now... <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell y'all, I think about that. Let me give y'all some books and CDs. <laughs> uh, this is, um, hmm, The Life of Paul, Paul's System of Truth. And uh, Paul's letters contain the thoughts Jesus carried away from this world unuttered. Paul's letters are the advanced teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's revelation is essential to every believer. And the great thing about Paul's revelation is it was not for Paul. It was for you. It was for every believer. So every believer can actually see the same thing Paul saw. So the Ephesians 1 prayer was written for believers who want to live in the light of what happened from the cross to the throne. And the four gospels, you see what happened to Christ. Paul's letters show you what happened in Christ. The four gospels are a photograph of redemption. Paul's letters are an x-ray that he shows you not what man saw or not what the sense realm saw. He shows you what God saw. And he shows you what the devil saw and what angels saw or what happened in the unseen. So he shows you what everything God did in Christ. He did it for us, set to the credit of our account like we were there. And so in Paul's letters, understanding what happened from the cross to the throne, the power that raised Christ from the dead. And so if you were to ask God for more power, he may actually ask you, where he was going to get it from. Because when he raised Christ from the dead, it was the greatest display of power in the history of the universe. Unlimited, exceeding great power. And it is the revelation of what happened there that is the authority that every believer carries. So sometimes you see a believer that loves the Lord and yet they feel weak or that they don't seem to be able to overcome even though they're saved. Then the prayer you would pray for them is Ephesians 1 prayer, Ephesians 3 prayer. 
because God delights in revealing himself. Amen. And so you pray that prayer. Dad Hagen said every day, at least, at least once a day, preferably twice a day for at least six months. So we found out that when Jesus said, ask, knock, and seek, and in the, it's in the continuous form, ask, and it means to keep on asking, knock, keep on knocking, seek, keep on seeking. He's not telling you to ask and keep on asking because you haven't gotten anything. He's telling you to ask and keep on asking because there is more. All right, let's try that one more time. He's not saying just ask and ask and you know you ain't ever getting nothing. No, he's saying ask, but there is more, so keep on asking. So uh, the Bible is progressive revelation. And so if you pray Paul's uh, prayers in Ephesians 1, it actually unlocks further light and further revelation. So the Lord said to me, every breakthrough in faith will come from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. Amen. Uh, when Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier, 1947, um, tremendous event in American history because it paved the way for what we call our space program. So when he was the first man to break the sound barrier, he talked about all the fears and the challenges. And finally, he broke the sound barrier. And he said, they said, what, what, what was that like? And he said, it was like sipping lemonade on a front porch. Because everybody else was afraid of what we call the sound barrier. Because they thought people would disintegrate if they went that fast. Because no one had ever gone that fast before. So when you went 700 miles an hour, you break the sound barrier. Actually, there was a sonic boom. And they thought Chuck Yeager was dead. But we fly into Charleston, West Virginia, Chuck Yeager Airport. <laughs> was he 90-something years old? I, don't, I think he's still alive. I'm not sure. Uh, he might have passed away just a few months ago. I was saying that. But Chuck Yeager was in the airport there. We had to preach that Sunday morning, try to make it back so we could meet him. But as an American hero, he had the courage to get into that X-1 jet and take it over 700 miles an hour. He said, because the real barrier was not in the sky. The real barrier was in our knowledge of supersonic flight. He said, once we broke the Mach 1, that barrier, we immediately went to Mach 2. Now, jets go Mach 10. So the devil's not just challenging you at Mach 1. He's challenging you because if you ever break that barrier, you're going straight to Mach 2 and Mach 3. And so there's many times you have a barrier in your life that must be broken, and it is broken by revelation knowledge. Matter of fact, Paul's prayer, he did not even pray for dedication. Well, I'm a preacher's kid, so I thought that's my biggest problem. You know, I had great dedication on Sunday, but by Monday afternoon, you know, I might make it to Tuesday morning, my dedicator's totally gone. So I had to rededicate. I thought that's the biggest thing in the world is rededicate. When the truth is, you might need to re-revelate. So I thought my biggest problem was, was dedication. And Paul never even prayed for dedication. He said, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. The eyes of your understanding that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. 
How many believe God could do that for you? Yes. Hey, I said, how many believe he could do it for you? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you the key. The key for God doing that for you. It's a really big key. I don't know if you're able to do it or not. But the key is just ask. All right, let's try this out of here. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a very difficult thing here. So, you know, the, you're going to have to be smarter than the average bear to do this. And you have to be real educated. No, he just said, all you have to do is ask. Is all you have to do is say, Father God, here's what I'm asking you for. Because when you were younger, you asked God for other things. And now you say, here's what I'm asking for. I'm asking you that you would give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light. In other words, revelation knowledge takes you from what you're hearing to what you're seeing. Our revelation knowledge actually always captures your imagination. Revelation knowledge will always set you on fire. Come on. And so Jesus, after he's raised from the dead on the road to Emmaus, what happened? Come on, he meets a couple of disciples and they're talking about what happened. And so Jesus did what? He went through the scriptures and showed them the scriptures concerning himself. And then he disappeared. They said, uh, our heart was on fire while he was talking to us. All right, let's try that again. In other words, they went from just information to what? Revelation, Jesus said, let me show you something. And it lit them up. In other words, if your faith is not lit, it probably will not work that well. So the psalmist David said, what? The Lord will light my candle. Then I can run through a troop. I can jump over a wall. I'll chase my enemies down. I will trample them underneath my feet and they will never rise again. Are y'all still here? <laughs> this is what you call radical revelation that enables you to break certain barriers. Amen. And so in, in our lives, it was breaking certain barriers uh, concerning our idea of what we could receive from God. Yeah. Amen. Or what God would do for us. And so, uh, who was that? Uh, one of the, the theologian books, you know, said, he said, there, there, there is no limit to God's giving except his creature's capacity to receive. All right, let's try this one more time. Let's try it again. There is no limit to God's giving except our capacity to receive. And so I, talk, I said, well, Lord, how come you preach so long? How many ever wondered why some people preach so long? I said, I was raised in church, you know, so you're just like, oh, Lord, have mercy. So, so uh, how come, I said, Jesus, how come you teach so long? Because he would actually teach so long that people would pass out if he didn't feed them. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So I said, well, Lord, and Paul did the same thing. He taught all night until a guy actually went to sleep while he was teaching, fell out the window and broke his neck. Paul went out there and raised him from the dead. I tell people, I'm not sure I can raise you from the dead, so you might want to stay awake. So uh, we'll do our best. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why did you teach so long? Here's what he said. He said, in my teaching, I was never working on the giving part of God. I was always working on the receiving part of man. 
All right, let's try this one more time. In other words, he said, I didn't just keep teaching that long to try to talk God into healing somebody. Come on, or try to get God to bless somebody. He said, you never have to talk God into giving. You never have to talk God into healing. It's who he is. So he said, I taught so long, he said, because I was working on the receiving part of man. So God's already done everything he's going to do about your salvation. God's already done everything he's going to do about your healing. He's done everything he's going to do about your blessing. I mean, when Jesus sat down, he wasn't tired. He sat down because it's finished. There ain't nothing else to do about that. Amen. So if he's already done something about it, then Paul is not praying for God to do something for you. He's praying that you and I would see what God has already done in Christ and the power that's available to every believer. So if you're struggling with your dedication. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all been awful quiet tonight. If you're struggling with dedication, you know, because I'd go to church, you know, as a teenager, my daddy preaching, some other preaching, and uh, they'd say, well, you know, why don't you pray more? I'm like, not sure. Sure would like to, but seems like I just don't. And you talking about doesn't even really make me want to. Then why don't you witness more? I don't know. I think I ought to, but I just don't. Well, why don't you give more? I don't know. So they kept telling me, you know, you need to be more dedicated. And I'm like, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I guess I'm pretty much a failure in the dedication department. So I realized my greatest need was Paul was not praying for the believer to be more dedicated. Your greatest need is not dedication. Your greatest need is revelation. It is your revelation that fuels your dedication. Once you get revelation knowledge, you don't need everybody telling you. Because you see what God has done for you in Christ. Are y'all still with me here? So actually in Proverbs it says, it says, cry out for wisdom. So you just say, Father God, I'm asking. You say, what's going to happen? The next 50 years, he'll give you further light and further revelation. Amen. Amen. Father God, I'm asking you, what am I asking you for? I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of God. And did you know the scripture says, Old Testament, that Moses laid his hands on Joshua and the spirit of wisdom came on him. That even happened through the laying on the hands. One time I was in one of Brother Hagin's meetings. I've been praying this Ephesians 1 prayer for, for every day for six months and then I just kept going. And um, I was in one of Dad Hagen's meetings, and um, the Holy Ghost moving. He's kind of running around, well, laying hands on people. Sometimes he'd say, "Be blessed, you know, be blessed." And I, I kind of stuck my head out there for him to slap me because every time, every time he'd pop me in the head, I'd go home and and there'd be increase yeah. in blessing. Yeah. So I said, "Well, hit me, hit me, hit me, baby, one more time." So <laughs> bam. So. <laughs> So I believed in the power of the blessing. 
Amen. And the anointing, amen, that came through the laying on of hands, but here through prayer, amen. But one time it was one of the meetings, the Holy Spirit was working and Dad Hagin walking around and he came to me and he, boom, hit me in the head. Boom, I went out on the way down and I heard him say, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I said, how did you know that's what I've been asking for? Because yeah. <laughs> it radically changes the way you think. Yeah. It changes the way you see. Yeah. It affects your eyes. And it helps you to understand the authority that you have as a believer that there is tremendous power available to every believer. It'll take the victim out of your voice. It'll take the whine out of your voice because you have this authority that is mountain moving authority that things are, let's say it this way, the scenery has to change. Amen. And so in studying on the life of Paul is because he is the, the greatest preacher, the greatest teacher, other than the Lord Jesus himself. But in one sense of the word, he actually had information available to him that Jesus did not. Because Jesus could not, could not tell them what was going to happen in his death and resurrection. Paul had to tell them that. And so Paul's letters tell you what happened post-resurrection, what happened in the death and resurrection of Christ, and what Jesus is doing for us now at the right hand of God. That he's the head and you are his body. Amen. Your union or identification with Christ. Same life, same authority that's in Christ, in him, in the head, now flows in the body. But if you don't know about it, I said, if you don't know about it, my daddy always said, ignorance is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you get tired of being ignorant after a while. Yeah. Right? So there's really only two kinds of unbelief, and the first kind is, is ignorance, and ignorance is curable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't look at anybody right now. I said, I said ignorance is curable. Right. <laughs> Stupidity is a little bit more difficult to deal with, but ignorance itself is, is curable. The problem with ignorance is you just don't know how much you don't know. All right, let's keep going here. I was in one of Dad Hagen's meetings and we were having a prayer meeting and, and Dad Hagen, I heard him pray and he cried out and he said, Lord, he said, Lord, this is when he's in his 80s. Lord, he's talking to the Lord. Lord, we, we know so little. I thought, what did he say? He said, he, he knows so little. I said, well, if he knows so little, I know almost nothing. Lord, I don't know nothing. Lord. In other words, <laughs> Youngest Show Pastor So Korea, one of the greatest churches in the world, and an example for great churches, over a million people. He said, he said, the Holy Spirit does not talk to smart people. That means if you think you already know, he won't even talk to you. But if you say, Lord, we know so little, he said, all right, let me talk to you. In other words, the first kind of unbelief is lack of knowledge. And you can cure that with revelation knowledge. And God said, I'm going to show you some things you've never seen before. The second kind of unbelief is being unpersuaded to act on the word. 
All right, let's say this. The moment you act on the word, God makes himself responsible for your results. All right, let's try that one more time. The moment you act on the covenant, the moment you line up with the blood covenant and you act on the word, which is simplest definition, is I may not feel like it, it may not look like it, but I'm gonna act like the Bible is true. That faith will come first and then the feelings will show up later. Faith doesn't mean that you don't ever have any feelings, it just means that the feelings will show up later. Amen. <laughs> All right, you know, woman this your blood. She said, she acted, pressed through the crowd. She received, she touched, and the power of the anointing went into her, and she felt. She went, whoa. When she touched Jesus, she felt virtue or anointing or power come out of him. Well, there's a bunch of people around him touching him. We don't have a testimony from none of them. But we have one testimony. Out of all the people in the crowd, she's the only one that felt. She's the only one that was healed. She's the only one that received the anointing. The others were just touching out of curiosity, well, you know. And I wonder what he got. I don't feel nothing. So, so they were touching Jesus, but they weren't necessarily receiving anything. Doesn't mean that they're bad people. Come on. And so Jesus turned around and said, who, who, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, stupid question. <laughs> How many ever had the Lord ask you a question that you thought the answer was obvious? And why are you asking me that? Let's try this out. Come on. Come on. If you're not getting results, mountains ain't moving. You just got to humble yourself and say, Lord, I ain't feeling nothing. All right. And he says, you ain't faith in nothing. In other words, faith doesn't mean you don't have any feelings. It just means faith precedes the feelings. So she touched, she felt, and Jesus felt. So the anointing is tangible. So the first time Dad Hagen came to our church, Louisiana, I was thrilled, man. I was just fit to be tired. I mean, here's my spiritual father, Dad Hagen, here coming to my church. Glory to God. Place packed out, and I thought, whew, man, this is going to be good. First night he got up and he taught on he taught on the doctrine of laying on the hands. I thought, what does he think he is doing? I have gathered all these people here, a man with seven visions of Jesus and uh, teaches on faith and he's talking on the doctrine of laying on the hands. I thought, this Wow, I've never seen him miss it so bad. Anyway, so he's teaching on the doctrine of laying on hands. I'm like, where's this going? Can we swing it somewhere? I mean, swing it over here. And he, he's teaching on the doctrine of laying on the hands. And he said, when he said, when I touch you or lay hands on you, he said, according to the law of contact and transmission, the contacts of my hand will transmit the anointing, the healing power of God to your body. Yes. He said, so before I get to you, you say with your mouth, 
when he touches me, I believe I receive the anointing. It's the anointing that does the work. The anointing, when he touches me, I believe I receive the anointing. He said, because in the church, the doctrine of laying on the hands is a major doctrine in the church. Matter of fact, it's how people get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's how people are blessed. And Dad Hagen actually got away from laying on the hands and didn't lay hands on people for two years. In the middle of that, he fell and broke his arm, had to go to the hospital. Jesus walked into the room and said, if you hadn't have broken your arm and where I could talk to you and correct you, you would have died at 58. Because you're out of my will and the enemy would have attacked you. He said, I anointed you. He said, I, I anointed you. I put my anointing in you in the palms of your hands. And some people are not going to get it just by teaching. They're going to have to get it through the doctrine of laying on the hands. So he said, you haven't laid hands on somebody in two years. He said, but now if you'll make this adjustment, you'll live a long life, which he did, 86. And I was sure glad he lived that long. It took me about 30 more years to get things figured out. So... <laughs> So here's the way he would do it. He said, in obedience to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, the contact of my hands transmits the anointing to you. What does it do? Well, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, or to be blessed. Jesus laid his hands to be blessed, or to stir up the gift of God that's in somebody. So when Jesus said, who touched my clothes? It says he looked around to see who made contact with him. Come on, I'm not just interested in the touch of curiosity. I want to receive. Come on, I want some results. I want to make contact with the almighty God. I want to make contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to receive from him. So Jesus turned around and said, "Uh, who touched me? The disciples said, well, Lord, you know, everybody is touching you. So it says he turned about in the crowd to see who had done this. So when he turned about in the crowd, <laughs> here's Jesus, you know, he got people around him. He turned about in the crowd and he's like, so he turned about, because the disciples, they, they're not going to answer him. They just say, well, everybody's around here. So Jesus turned about in the crowd to see what? Who made contact with him? And he saw the woman. And she's like, <laughs> he said, because you look different. If you're just religious, you're like. (laughs) But if you believe Jesus is Lord and he's alive and you make contact with him, she's like. (laughs) Jesus goes, it was you. (laughs) Because she felt in her body she was healed of that plague. So it was not just a touch of curiosity. She had released her faith based on the information she had was everybody that touched him received their healing. So she said, well, I can do that. So I'm not just going to sit on the couch and see what's going to happen. She got up off the couch. Come on. She started heading and it says all the way she said, when I touch him. All right, let's try that again. All the way she said, when I touch him. I know. Woo! I shall be whole. Thank God for his power. There's no shortage of power. The anointing is what does the work. So you receive it, it's tangible, and you feel that fire. 
Come on, you used to read the Bible to go to sleep, but you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you're like, I can't sleep. I feel like I'm on fire right now. Come on, God is a consuming fire. He's got fire from his loins up, his loins down. He, come on, we experience God. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? So what did Jesus tell the woman? Mark chapter five, verse 34. Jesus said what? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Daughter, your faith, your faith, your faith. Well, what's the fuel of your faith? Knowledge. She knew something. She's acting on that knowledge. She's declaring what she knows. And she came in touch with God. The power of God. So when he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Here's what we learned from Dad Hagen. Because I was just 17 when I started listening to him. <laughs> it's 17. But I was very serious at 17. Because my dad and four deacons had just got me out of jail. And, and I, I didn't like them, and they didn't like me, so I couldn't care less. I was, had a little rebellion problem as a teenager, so I'm in getting out of jail, and one of them deacons looked at me funny, and I was like, I'll burn your house down when I get home, buddy. You and your stinking self-righteous. Anyway, we don't get into all that, so... Praise the Lord. God is merciful, isn't he? So I thought, well, you know, this is going to continue if I don't have a breakthrough in my understanding or the way I see things or the way I see myself. So I started listening to Dad Hagen. He started teaching on faith. And uh, Dad Hagen said that scripture, when Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole, go in peace and be whole of your plague. When he said that, he said he read that when he had seven incurable diseases. And he said to the Lord, Lord, I believe. How come I still have these seven diseases? Lord, I believe. How come I st I'm, I'm still not getting any results? And he said, the Lord said to him, you do believe as far as you know. All right, let's try this out over here. So a lot of people, you can't say they're not a believer. Come on, we are believers. I was a believer. And I did believe what? As far as I know. <laughs> so he said, the Lord said, I'll have to show you some things beyond your present level of knowledge. So he said, I started seeing and understanding how faith works. Once I saw how faith works, then he said, I started releasing or exercising my faith. I came off the bed of seven incurable diseases, lived to 86 years old, and really changed the whole world. I go all over the world. His books are all over the world. So the Mach 1 that you're trying to break right now, the devil's not just trying to stop you there. He's trying to stop you where you're going to go if you ever learn how to break Mark 1. Because yes. God's no respecter of persons. If he did it for anybody, he's going to do it for you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? But this is really just the introduction to the book. But anyway, so... <laughs> 
Praise the Lord. So I went to hear Dad Hagen after I got to be about 21, 22 years old. So I went to a meeting where he was teaching in Oklahoma, Tulsa. And uh, I mean, I've been studying. When my friends, the same friends I went to jail with, when they went out, they'd call me and say, you going out with us? I said, no. What are you going to do? I said, no, I got to study. You got to study what? I said, the Bible. What, what's wrong with you anyhow? I said, he said, you ain't going out with us? I said, no. No, you know. Um, they said, well, your mama won't let you go. I said, no, nothing to do with my mama. If I'm going to go, I'd just go. My mama ain't stopping me. Are y'all still here? It changed my choice. Uh-huh. I say, revelation knowledge will change your choice. So I said, no, I'm not going. I'm staying. I'm going to study. I think uh, the Lord's got something he wants me to do, and I've got to find out right now. So I'm in there studying, listening to Brother Hagin, studying on faith, saying and speaking and mountains moving and what God did in Christ and who you are in Christ and the power of the blood and revelation knowledge and, and Paul's revelation and the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. My dad said, the Holy Spirit's a genius. If you'll listen to him, he'll make you look smart. He said, we know you're not that smart, but you got a genius working on your case. So you got the Holy Spirit. Whew. So to act in faith, the simplest definition of act in faith is acting like the unseen is greater than the seen. All right, let's try that one more time. I got a couple of I got a couple of nods and a grunt. So I said, "For we walk by faith and not by sight." So you're walking by revelation, knowledge of unseen realities, amen. So you're acting like the unseen is greater than the seen, amen. Hallelujah. So Dad Hagen's teaching faith. So I went and heard him when I was 21 years old, and I was in a meeting about like this, you know, somewhere in Oklahoma. And Dad Hagen started teaching on faith. All right, so when he started teaching on faith, here, here, here I am, 21. I've been studying this. Actually, I went to Bible college four years. And if I can say so humbly, which I cannot, I could out-argue all my professors. I could win in any argument against my professors. Why? Because I studied the Word. I actually knew more of the Word than they did. So when they quoted something, I'd say, yeah, but let me share this. So here's what says over this scripture said it. And all the classes go, What? They still quoting Granny. I'm quoting the Apostle Paul, you know. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting there listening to Dad Hagen. And so when he got up and started teaching, listen, when he got up and started teaching on faith, I thought, I'm sure glad he's teaching on this. Looking, I was looking around, I was like, these people here really need to hear this. <laughs> Well, the Lord knew what I was thinking. How many of the Lord knows what you're thinking? You might consider that. So the Lord knew what I was thinking. <laughs> and he said, oh, you think you know something about it, huh? I said, oh, yeah, I know something about it. He said, well, don't be looking around being glad all these other people are here. Why don't you pay attention? He said, I can show you things about faith you have never seen before. Yeah. And when I show it to you, your faith will go to another level. Yes. Mm. I said, Lord, please forgive me. I humble myself. Yes. 
know almost nothing. I'm asking you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, for further light and understanding. The Lord said, aha, now let me show you something. And think about how much he loves you and he wants to show you how simple faith can literally move mountains and change your world. So when he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole, then Dad Hagen said, he's on that bed. And the Lord said to him, did you know if her faith made her whole, your faith will make you whole? Yeah. Ah, so that means I'm not waiting on some sovereign act of God. Or let's say it this way, God's really already released enough power that all I have to do is mix faith with that. And power go from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. So he started acting in faith. Tremendous fight to faith. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. Let's try that one more time. Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge or simply acting. Now, I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again. Dad Hagen set me free from the fear of repetition. (laughs) Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Other word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just did five days of uh, TV programs with Brother Copeland, and we did on on the spirit of faith. We had the best time. I mean, we just like man, I'm, we are flying. We're talking about the spirit of faith. Paul said, that's what we have. We believe and we speak. We have the same spirit of faith. I mean, a spirit of faith to put an attitude in your voice. Amen. So we have it. We've got it. Amen. It's contagious. I call it possession with intent to distribute. In other words, I've got more than enough than just for myself. Listen, revelation knowledge makes you such a threat to the devil. That Paul said, because of revelations that I have, a messenger of Satan was sent just to attack me all the time. Come on, your picture don't even go up in the post office in hell until further light and revelation is given. And then the devil says, they're carrying. Come on, you get lit. Run through a troop, jump over a wall. I said, they carry you. Because that's somebody the devil cannot stop. Praise the Lord. So we were talking about faith. And so Brother Copeland, he's excellent on the subject. So he likes to talk about it. So he said, um, Vince Lombardi won, you know, NFL championships. And... Um, but the first year or two, I guess, he coached, he lost every game. So he said he got his football players together the next season. And he got a football in his hand. And he said, now, this is a football. <laughs> if you're losing every game, somebody needs to start with the basics. This is a football. 
The way you win is you hold on to it. <laughs> so some people think they're so far advanced that they won't even listen to the basics, the fundamentals. But it's the same fundamentals that'll cause you to win the Super Bowl as cause you to win during the year. Same fundamentals. All right, let me, let's see. Well, I hadn't even brought my Bible up here yet. Give me my Bible. So, this, this is a Bible. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. This is a blood covenant. All right, so, now that we got that, that's where faith comes from. Aha! So it's not really a mystery. You're like, well, doggone it, I can't figure this out. So Jesus makes faith so simple, you actually need a theologian to get confused about it. Jesus said, now here's how faith works. It's the law of how the kingdom of God operates, the law of faith. All right, so let me tell you about my grandson, Gavin. I've told you before, but I love this story about Gavin. Our grandson, Gavin, we have swimming pool in the backyard. And so, you know, you go out the back door of the house, swimming pool there. But I put an extra uh, um, fence with childproof gates because I got eight grandkids. So I've got the swimming pool. The back door's all deadbolt. And the swimming pool has a steel fence around it with a childproof. Who said, what's that mean? Well, that means we got a double protected. So then as soon as the grandkids get to be like two, three years old, something like that, then I say, y'all take them and give them lessons on how to swim because at the earliest possible age, I want them not to swim. I'm going to pay for it. You take my grandson or we have a couple of granddaughters, three, three granddaughters. Do you take them? This is like two or three years old. <laughs> so you take them and give them swimming lessons. Now, how many of you have ever been to a class where kids are getting swimming lessons? This is really hilarious. Because some of them are like slashing, and others are like, ah! At their level of understanding, it's hard to explain to them exactly what to do. They're just like, ah! So you tell them, all right, after this, we're going to go to the store, buy you some stuff, you know, just do what you're supposed to do here. So... So I said, take Gavin for swimming lessons. So Gavin goes to swimming lessons. And um, he came back to my house and he said, Poppy, I can swim. I can really swim. His dad, my son-in-law was there and he said, Poppy, that's right, Gavin, he can really swim. Well, I knew he couldn't swim. Because <laughs> I watched him. And he could swim in the shallow end. He's really great in the shallow end. As long as he could touch the bottom of the pool, he was a great swimmer. But whether you know that or not, that's really not swimming. You can splash, but you cannot swim. So his, my son-in-law kicks in. You know, he's always real positive. Oh, yes, Poppy. He is a good swimmer. I said, Really? Gavin, he's thinking, he's a little guy. And yeah, Poppy, I can swim. 
Well, we happened to be standing by the pool, by the deep end, right by the diving board. How convenient. So, I just grabbed Gavin, like two or three years old. I said, show Poppy how you can swim. Boom, and I dumped him in the deep end. So I watched my son-in-law and he went. I said, you said he could swim. So we're watching Gavin as he sinks to the bottom of the pool. I said, uh, don't look like he can swim to me. Now listen, he was making swimming motions. So to his credit, there were some swimming motions. And he could still hang it I said, he ain't still sinking. I said, if I was you, I would jump in there and save him. So he hands me his wallet, his phone, you know, and, and he jumps in there and pulls Gavin out, and he's spitting out water. I said, he cannot swim. Did you see that? He cannot swim. I told you he cannot swim. Do you understand that? This is not a class on positive thinking. This is a swimming class. I do appreciate positive thinking, but he is sinking with positive thinking. Come on, how many know that faith is something more? It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance to your hopes and your dreams. So Gavin's singing, put him, take him back. I said, take him back for lessons. Take him back for lessons. And there will be another test. He went and took some more lessons. He can swim now. I said, really? It's the old deep end test. So a lot of Christians are saying, I know about faith. You try, you, you try and talk to me about faith. I know about faith. I tell you, I know about faith. I, know, I, can quote, I can quote a couple of scriptures. I even make some, some faith motions every now and then. He said, I, I, th- I thought I saw you make a faith motion a while ago, but you're still thinking. Come on, you're not getting any results. In other words, faith is supposed to change the scenery in your life because it's taking unseen realities and bringing them into the realm of the scene with your voice. Your faith in God. Revelation knowledge of the word of God. What will that do? In other words, instead of just making the faith motions, you'll actually be able to swim. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. So, so if you've sunk a couple times, anybody here sunk a couple times? Uh, don't raise your hand. I know you're saying, like, you're like, don't tell nobody, but I did sink a couple of times. All right, this is a football. All right, now, this is a swimming pool, and this is the shallow end, and this is the deep end. In other words, if you want God's best blessings, you're going to quit splashing around in the shallow end. You got to get on the diving board, baby, get out into the deep water. Amen. Woo. Praise the Lord. 
So Paul said, we have the same spirit of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Are not by senses, are not by sense knowledge, but we walk by a different kind of knowledge. That's living by faith, it's just living by a whole different kind of knowledge. Yeah. All right, let's try that one more time. <laughs> Come on, living by faith is just living by a whole different kind of knowledge. What is that? Revelation knowledge of the Word of God. In other words, it's more than just information, it's revelation. What happens when that happens? You get lit. Yes. Once you get lit, you just say, I'm breaking that barrier. Whew. I said, I'm breaking that barrier. In other words, the spirit of faith will take you places you've never been before. Will enable you to receive things you've never received before. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So what's your prayer? Father God, I'm asking you, what? Give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I want to know how God thinks. I want to walk with God. I want to see and to know. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that happens through prayer. Father God, I'm asking you, given or you say, what am I supposed to do? Ask and keep on asking. Father God, I, here I am again. Here I am again. I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, the eyes of my understanding to be flooded with light that I may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name is named not only in this world but also that which is to come and you put all things under his feet gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all in all so somebody said what you been praying about you said I've been praying that prayer that apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 somebody said what happened it just lit me up man I got lit <laughs> So, you know, they said one of our presidents, he said he smoked marijuana, but he did not inhale. <laughs> I laughed. I thought, what good is that? I mean, you're smoking marijuana. It's illegal anyhow, you know, that president, in his time, it's illegal. So now you smoke it, but you did not inhale. So what were y'all doing? Like, you know, soft smoking and you just held it in your mouth or what? You did not inhale. <laughs> so he just went... You did not inhale. I thought, you know, that happens in church all the time. Come on, people come to church to hear the word, they go, praise the Lord. But somebody next to you is going to inhale, they're going, like, ah. All right. All right. I was made alive together with Christ and raised up together with him, seated together with him in heavenly places. Oh, glory to God. I'm a new creature.
creature in Christ. I got the life of God on the inside of me. I have the same spirit of faith. I believe I speak. Wow. Now, here's the way the Lord says to me. He said, wow. Come on, you're still in the information department if you don't ever go, wow. Show me that one more time. Wow. Come on, say that backwards. Wow. So, <laughs> so, you know, Jesus actually only marveled twice in the New Testament. He only marveled twice. Only two times does it say he marveled. He marveled. Mark chapter 6, he marveled at their unbelief. He was like, wow. I haven't found unbelief like this anywhere I've been. This is like, matter of fact, y'all get the award for the best unbelief I've ever seen. And it said there he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Well, he went around after that teaching because that's the cure for unbelief. Second time he marveled was when the centurion said, Matthew chapter eight, centurion said what? You don't need to come over the house. Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal him. He sent here and said, no, you don't need to come. Most of us would say, please, could you come over? Could we like uh, get a picture together, put it on Facebook or something? I mean, <laughs> get you to autograph a few things? I mean, Centurion said what? You don't need to come to my house. Speak the word only. My servant shall be healed. Jesus said, wow. Jesus, wow. He said he marveled. He said, I haven't found so great faith in the whole nation. Apparently he's looking for it. Centurion just said, speak the word. In other words, the spoken word is as powerful as a personal visitation. Well, he marveled. He only marveled twice. So I asked the Lord, I said, how come you didn't marvel more? He said, well, when you've seen everything, you don't marvel that much. And if you're around before everything else existed, you don't marvel that much. And if you actually made everything, you don't marvel that much. So he only marveled twice. Unbelief, he marveled. He went, wow. <laughs> Centurion, he marveled, wow. He only marveled twice. So it's kind of hard to get him to marvel. Like they would try to tell him something, Jesus says, uh, ain't nothing. There. Now watch this RV show. Because <laughs> Trent and I, we, our kids are little, we travel in RVs and motorhomes, you know, and trailers. And so, you know, <laughs> we just always had a motorhome, you know, pull a vehicle behind it and trailers. So, so, you know, the greatest thing, if, if you get a motorhome and you're, you're retired, that's the best time to get one because you have plenty of time to work on it. 
So if you can get, get you a maintenance person to come with it, it would be great. So I still like to, you know, if you have a direct TV, you know, you got like 300 channels on there. Well, they got one, you know, that's like RV channel. So I'm trying to go get me, a, you know, Coke or something. Chips, uh, I'm going to be with you. You watching the RV channel again? I said, yeah, it's just really amazing. Things that they can do nowadays that they couldn't do like 30, 40 years ago. So they got a slide out. We never had no slide out. You know, who thought of this? We didn't get no slide out. We're like stuck, you know, and like, you can't even walk by somebody to go to the bathroom. I mean, you, but now they're like, slide it out. I'm like, wow. So I'm watching the RV show <laughs> and they got people fixing to buy them a different kind of trailer, motorhome or something like that. And so uh, they uh, bring them inside the RV. So when they come in the RV, right, they, they see the kitchen. So this, this, this one woman with her husband, you know, they, they kind of wowed together. So she go, wow, look at the kitchen, look at the kitchen, wow, full-size microwave, wow, that refrigerator is almost full-size refrigerator, wow, look at it, and look at the cabinet space, oh, wow, look at that, oh, got a little out there, wow. They said, why, why, all right, let's go in the bathroom. So TV camera going here. They go back to the bathroom and wow, this is a nice-sized bathroom, look at it, and look at the shower. Until you get your big behind in there. But anyway, so, so you, you got RV in the shower. All the wows are over. Wow, hot water went off after five minutes. Wow. So, so she's going, wow. Then go look in the bedroom. Wow. They said, wow, probably at least 25 times. I thought, hmm. Jesus really only said, wow, twice. You know, people say wow all the time, but all kinds of things. They go, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Jesus only said it twice. Come on. 33 years, he only said wow twice. Wow, what? He just don't marvel about that much. But when he found faith, he went, wow. That takes me all the way back. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, <laughs> the earth was without form and void, and darkness is on the face of the deep. And <laughs> Spirit of God moved, and God said, He went, Whoa. I mean, you ever thought about the first five books of the Bible written by Moses? We call that the Pentateuch. Makes you sound smart, but really it cost me a lot of money to say that. So the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, written by who? Moses. How did he know? Was he there? No, nobody was there. Well, where did he get this from? I don't know. He must have been in the tent one afternoon. God said, you want me to show you how I made the world? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> and God wanted to show him. Let me show you how I created the world in the beginning. So Moses must have been in his tent and God starts showing him. He's like, whoa. 
can show you things today in the next two weeks, in the next two years that will still fascinate you and you'll go, whoa, look. That's how that happens. That's how that works. That's when Moses, by revelation knowledge, wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wasn't there. God said, God said, let me show you how I did that. He said, all right. Can I, I, I need to write that down. Could you go over that one more time? Because I think it's going to be in the Bible. In the beginning. <laughs> Come on, the whole Bible's written out of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The knowledge of God. He goes, I read that. And God said, and then God saw. <laughs> then he said again. Then he saw again. Then he said again. Then he saw again. There seems to be a pattern here. <laughs> In other words, sound came before sight. And many people are waiting on a change of scenery and God's waiting on a change of sound. In other words, God says, let me show you how faith works. In Hebrews chapter 11, here's how faith works. And you're so persuaded at what you have seen that you would rather act on the unseen than the seen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Hallelujah. Her faith made her whole. Your faith will make you whole. Yes. We have the same spirit of faith. Yes. Revelation knowledge. Yes. All right, let me, let me finish with this. This is still the book introduction. So, <laughs> you know, we have these pilots, and pilots are very expensive. I mean, they're so expensive. You're lucky at 45,000 feet, you know, flying 600 miles an hour. You really want a person that's had some training. You don't want somebody to go, all right, let's try this. Now, <laughs> I'm a positive thinker. <laughs> I mean, somebody that's done this before, you know. Yeah. Understands the laws, you know, of lift and aviation, stuff like that, you know. Did a little book training, you know. Have a little bit of experience. You've actually had a few takeoffs, some landings. So most of the time you won't even hire a pilot that has less than 1,500 hours in flying your type of jet. Every time he gets typed, which is annually, it costs him, or you, the owner, has to pay for $17,000, maybe $20,000 every year. Do you want him to go to training? You really want him to go to training. You're just like, please go ahead and go. The money, we can come up with the money. Get your training. <laughs> Some people haven't had an annual training. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, let's keep going here. So they actually put them in positions that this will happen if the engines fail. And they put them in a position of failure to see how they're going to act. 
All right, let's try that one more time. When they, they put them in that position to see what they're going to do. Because what they do in the next 30 seconds will determine whether you live or you die. So they have to train it so much that their muscle memory and their brain just automatically knows what buttons to push and what to do. Man, because if you're flying, or if you get in the fog, or you get in the clouds, well, and you have a problem, you don't want the guy going, you know, this has never happened to me before. I'm not sure. So you want him to get enough training so that he is not always flying visual. You want him to be instrument rated. Yeah. Because here's, here's, if you're not instrument rated, that means as a pilot, you can no longer see. So they actually train you just to look at the instruments. And if you're not instrument rated, you have 90 seconds one minute and a half, and in 90 seconds, your senses yeah. will lie to you. Yeah. Not on purpose. They're good senses, they're just liars. <laughs> in other words, they're just operating off the information they have. Yeah. Your senses. Nothing wrong with your senses. Nice to have those so you don't get hit by a truck across the road. So you need your senses. Yes. But your senses are so limited so that in that situation, if you're not instrument rated, in 90 seconds, your, your feelings will try to tell you whether you're up or down, left or right, and you're in the clouds and you don't know. So you go by visual and you crash. So if you're going to walk by faith and not by sight... Not by your senses, not by sense knowledge, not by your feelings, but by revelation knowledge. Come on, you're instrument rated. Come on, you're locked into your instruments. So if you ever go visual and you're in an instrument rated situation, you got 90 seconds, 90 seconds, and you think that your feelings would be smarter than that. It's so disappointing to find out that sense knowledge is not the highest kind of knowledge. People are like, yeah, now let me tell you how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> you know, my favorite is like the, uh, the, the, the book, you know, that's a funny book, you know, we used to read about all these cartoons, you know, and it's got these, these like three gorillas, you know, around a baby grand piano, and they got bananas everywhere and they're singing peelings nothing more than peelings y'all <laughs> don't know that song obviously peelings nothing so that's far side comics right so they got this piano and they're eating bananas you know and they're singing peelings nothing more than peelings so <laughs> If you're going to walk by your feelings, come on, feelings, my feelings, we're not saying that the feelings are not useful, they're just so limited. Yeah. But revelation knowledge takes you way beyond the sense realm yeah. 
the natural realm until you let the unseen make the choice for you instead of the seen or how you feel. So if you're not instrument rated, then you're going to be making swimming motions and sinking. So if you don't want to sink, then you say, this is a football. In other words, I'm going back to the basics here until I learn what to do and how to win and how to survive when I get in the most difficult things in life because there is a fight to faith, but it's one that you win. And Vince Lombardi said, winning is a habit. He said, unfortunately, so is losing. He said, you don't win every once in a while. You don't do the right thing every once in a while. You win all the time. In other words, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, what I'm asking you. Come on, it's real difficult to get this, isn't it? Real difficult. Oh, you got to be a special person. No, he said just ask. He said, I don't have time to ask. Then just keep sinking. All you got to do is just ask. God said, I would love to show you how I created the world. I would like to show you that. I would like to show you what happened on the cross and what happened in those three days and what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. I'd like to show you that. Come on, I was just, what, uh, 17 years old and we were studying Ephesians chapter two and I was reading but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins he made us alive together with Christ raised us up together with Christ made us sit down together with Christ in heavenly places well I read that a bunch of times so I'm saying so we're saying but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins he made us alive together with Christ raised us up together with him made us sit down together with him alright let's go with this again but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, for with he loved us, he were dead in sins. He, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together with him, made us sit down together with him in heavenly places. Yep. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right, now if we mix that, Ephesians 1, far above all friends, mountain, power, right, many never name his name, so. Huh. Hmm. All right, let's, let's go at it one more time. But God, huh, you're a slow learner, huh? All right, yeah, we're a slow learner. <laughs> Better to be a slow learner and learn than come on and be a. All right, let's go over this one now. Now, Father God, I'm asking you, giving me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But God, who is rich in mercy, who has great love. And it happened, I went, whoa. Whoa. Come on, because what's in the book actually happened. This ain't no fairy tale. This actually happened. And the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of my heart and I saw myself made alive together with Christ and raised up together with Christ and seated together with him in heavenly places. And I went, whoa. 
Anybody want to know the first thing I did? Is I started laughing. <laughs> because the fight of faith, you're never fighting for victory. You want to pick that up for me? I knew the Lord was giving you wisdom and I just thought I would help him. So, <laughs> it's always great to have volunteers, right? So, <laughs> it's even greater to have those that think, right? <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> so the fight of faith is never fighting for victory. You always fight from this position. All right, y'all ready? All right, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, Gettysburg, Little Round Top. Little Round Top, one hill, changed Gettysburg. Gettysburg changed the whole war. One man at the top of one hill who refused to give up with 400 men and while the south was coming up that hill he fought till he ran out of bullets yeah. told him to fasten the bayonets they told him his generals told him you must hold this position at all cost because if you lose this position then the south will come and take over the whole army and will march right into Washington D.C. and our nation will be a totally different place one guy, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, told his men, he had 400 behind a little wall, you cannot leave this position. You must hold it at all costs. So he told his men before the battle started, he said, for seldom in history have one group of men been called upon for such a strategic mission in all of history. We will hold this position at all costs, men. There will be no retreat. If, we, if, we, if they find us here dead, that'll be all right, but we will not leave. Yeah. Come on, here comes the South. These guys, for Robert E. Lee, had never lost a battle. Yeah. So Gettysburg was the first battle they lost. Why? Well, you study, you find out, why did they lose? Well, the day before, Robert E. Lee had told them the day before, told his men, take Little Round Top. You know what his men said? We're too tired. We'll take it tomorrow. Come on, but the North yeah. said, we're going to take it right now. Yeah. Once they got on top of Little Round Top and they took it, here Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, who later became the governor of Maine, I believe he is, governor of Maine, and later got the Medal of Honor. But he did it because little roundup. Yeah. Ran out of bullets. Holding the position until it's been fastened your bayonets. Here come the south up another wave. He said charge. You know, when it looks like you're losing, charge. So he had his men come down and do a special move to the side and they came and attacked the south. It scared the southern soldiers so bad that they surrendered. So Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain's men captured Little Round Top, held it, got the prisoners and they had no bullets. Yeah. His men said, we don't have no bullets. He said, shut up. He said. 
What did he tell him? Take your position. You got that from Revelation. Revelation knowledge. Take your place in Christ. Hold fast to your confession. Never retreat from this position at all costs. What's that going to do? Well, you're going to win that hill, but you're also going to win that battle. You're also going to win that war. One hill can determine who wins the war. So when Paul says, hold fast to your confession of faith without wavering. Once you get revelation knowledge, you say, I'm seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Everything's far below me. This is my position. I'm not backing off from it. I'm holding my position with my confession and with my action. I'm acting like the Bible's true. Yes. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. ha, ha. Oh hallelujah. <laughs> the most valuable person in your life is the one who feeds your faith. Who's feeding your faith? Well, you get revelation knowledge. So here's the way the Lord told me. I told Pastor John. I said, uh, I honored, I honored Dad Hagen and my dad, but I also honored Dad Hagen as a spiritual father because he's the one that instructed me how faith works. He's the one that instructed me with revelation how to win. Because at that point, I'm losing. So I just, I need this information. I need this revelation. Teach me how the word works, how faith works, how, how God thinks. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So valuable. You say, wow. Well, here's the way the Lord told us to me. Now listen close. The Lord said this to me. He said, there's important things you need to know that I'm not going to tell you. I said, say that one more time. He said, there's important things you need to know that I'm not going to tell you. If I told it to someone that you're supposed to be in relationship with, you will have to get it from them. All right, let's say it this way. There's important things you need to know that I'm not going to tell you. If I told it to someone that's supposed to be a relationship in your life, and if you don't honor that relationship, then revelation will never be released to you. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so now I can't just honor God. I've got to honor those in the body of Christ and apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that God has put in my life and quit treating them like they're just some regular person. I've got to honor them like they're sent from God and they're carrying revelation knowledge that if I add that to my faith, I'm going to swim. I ain't going to sink. So I got to take that pretty serious. That if I'm going to honor, now listen, you can honor. Somebody said, well, I don't dishonor. Here's something interesting. We have a pastor friend that well, went to the doctor and he was diagnosed with uh, really terminal cancer. Pancreas, pancreatic cancer. No cure. Yeah. He's already turning yellow. Skin, 
as a minister. Wow, I mean, you got a lot of things you could say, right? You could say, well, he forgives all my iniquities, he heals all my diseases. I mean, you could say that. You could say, by his stripes, I'm healed. But let me show you what he said. He said he's driving away from the hospital just months to live. And he said, I hollered out the window. He said, God, I haven't always done everything right, but I have always honored my father and my mother. And you said if I would honor my father and my mother, that I would live a long life and it would be well with me. So I command cancer to get out of my body because I honor my father and my mother. I'm going to live a long life. He said the cancer left his body still alive to the gate, preaching in sense. What? You say, well, I don't like some of the, he didn't tell you you have to agree with them. He just said you have to honor them. He said, and that honor, whew, your father and your mother, that honor caused him to be healed. All right, now listen, you do not get the medal of honor for doing ordinary things. Medal of honor always comes to above and beyond the call of duty. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. So now in my case, you're struggling with honor towards somebody that you might not agree with all the time. But he said, those that are, that are ministers in your life, he said, you're to give them double honor. Well, you're struggling with single honor. <laughs> Come on, you got, you got trouble with single honor at the house. He said, well, I'm not going to make the same mistakes my parents made. And you probably won't. You'll make different ones. So, <laughs> so learning how to honor your father and your mother is a, is a blood covenant blessing that he said, it'll be well with you and you'll live a long life. Yeah. Whoa. You said, well, well, what if it's too late for me to do that? Did you know you can honor people in the body of Christ, spiritual fathers and mothers, come on, and those who are over you in the Lord, and you can give honor there? He said, actually, double honor. He said, and how you honor that gift will determine how you receive from God. Praise the Lord. All right, now let me show you what I did. I'm telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I did. I figured revelation knowledge was more valuable than my money. So Galatians 6, 6 says, when you have received spiritual things, give of your material things. Share all good things with your teacher. All right. Can I say that? Well, just checking. Because that's Galatians 6, 6. The apostle Paul said that. I don't think you could ever accuse the apostle Paul of trying to get money out of people. But anytime you say that, people say, all right, here it comes. Hold on to the wallet, Margaret. He's coming after the money. Listen. <laughs> now, I don't think you could accuse the Apostle Paul of trying to manipulate people to give him money. Right, let me try this. Out. Do you know anything about the Apostle Paul? I do not think you could ever accuse him of manipulating people to try to get money. What's he doing? He said, when you receive the word revelation knowledge and when you give to support the distribution of that revelation knowledge it will unlock further light in your life yeah. not so much Paul said I don't need to receive the money but you need to give so the word can grow and multiply yeah. 
In other words, every time you tithe or you give, you're saying, God, revelation knowledge is worth more than money. Are y'all still here? So you can steal information, but you can never steal revelation. All right, let's try this out over here. I said, you can, you know, people say, well, I got to church late, they already took the offering. I got the message anyway, and I left. Didn't even have to give nothing. <laughs> All right, camel breath, listen. You can, you can steal information and you can get the sermon. But you're still going to be going, I got But when you honor, because you've received something so valuable from God, and you say, now, I'm going to sow a seed. I'm going to give. All right, let me show you something. Once I saw that, I thought, that's a great key to receiving revelation knowledge, to go beyond information and to honor. You can respect with words, but you have to honor with substance. Yeah. All right, let's try this one more time. You can respect by sending somebody a, Christmas, a, a birthday card or a Christmas card or something, but you honor when you put $20 in there. I used to kid my wife. People send me cards all the time. I say, I don't read it if you don't have no money in it. Anyway, I'm just cutting up. I do read it, so please forgive me. If you, if you, how dare he? Listen. In other words, you can respect with words. But when you go from words and respect to honor with your substance, now you're saying, God, that word is more valuable to me than anything in this world. Now I'm asking you for further light and revelation. Here's what, here's what Dad Hagen used to say. He said, when you, when you give a prophet a cup of water in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Then he said this. Here's what Dad Hagen said. He said, you know what a prophet's reward is? He said, it's a word in season. Hallelujah. So I'd go hear Dad Hagen, you know, so many times a year, best I could, you know. And I'd always take the best offering I could. And was a partner. Set out to give him a million dollars, already passed that. Did the best I could, I might start up with $10. But passed a million. So the knowledge must have been more valuable to me than the money. Because I got plenty of money. but the way you receive the word. So I'd go hear Dad Hagen and some people would say, oh, I sure hope he has a word for me. I said, oh, he has one for me, I guarantee you. They said, how do you know? He said, I said, he owes me. <laughs> I gave him more than water. Yeah. I said, I gave him a lot more than water. In other words, in that generosity, I distributed my honor as the word is more valuable than money. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So sometimes God is just watching to see how valuable revelation knowledge is to you. All right, getting real quiet in here. Don't get upset. I'm taking no offering now. We ain't taking pledges or nothing like that, you know. And so you can't say Paul was trying to tell people this to manipulate them. No, he's telling them there is a spiritual law of honor when you have received 
revelation knowledge. Most valuable thing in this world is revelation knowledge. It's when the word goes from information to revelation. Most valuable thing in the world. Why? Because you can make anything out of it. Or let's try this a little bit. I said you can make anything out of it. It's how the world was created. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he said, when you honor that way, you'll always have a word in season. Hmm. So I'd be going year after year. Every once in a while, not all the time, but in the teaching, I didn't have to have him call me out. I got a word just while he was teaching. I didn't have to call him out. I mean, he didn't have to call me out so I could get some special word. I just, while he was teaching, I said, Lord, he's going to have to say something that's going to help me. Because I'm here and I'm a giver and I want revelation. I've been praying for it. I'm a partner with it. I distributed possession with intent to distribute. I, I love it. Come on, I love your word. Come on, I rejoice over your word. Like I've received great spoil. It's worth more than millions. It's just a revelation of your word. Lord, I'm asking you that you said you hide yourself from the wise and prudent. You reveal yourself unto the babe. So I humble myself. I'm asking you to give me light and understanding. Come on, just show me something where that needs to add to my faith that'll keep me from sinking so that I can swim. So I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge God. What's it take to get it? Ask for it. Honor it. Hallelujah. Well, everybody else is criticizing somebody say, shut up, I'm listening. Valuable stuff going on here. Amen. And when you receive the word like that with meekness, or the engrafted word, he calls it, he said that word works mightily. Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Simplest definition of faith is to act like you've got a covenant with God. If you've got a covenant, you know it, you're a giant killer. Well, everybody else is afraid, you're like, I'll kill him. While everybody else is looking at impossibilities, you say, I'll move it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, huh, I got faith in God. Where did it come from? <laughs> Revelation knowledge. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did y'all learn anything tonight? Yes. Ha, ha, ha. That's when I started laughing. <laughs> I saw myself in the word raised up with Christ. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. I just started laughing. Now, even at 17 years old, I used to preach and teach, and I'd start laughing. And some people would get intimidated. they go, are you laughing at me? I'm like, I never even thought about laughing at you, but now that I look at you, I mean, no. no. I said, I never even thought about laughing at you. My laughter is coming from revelation knowledge of what God has done in Christ. Hallelujah. So if you want your dedicator to work better, what are you going to do? How come I ain't doing better? I'm trying to do better. I'm trying harder right now, Lord. Can't you see I'm trying harder? How many ever tried harder? It just makes you ugly, I'm telling you. Like. But faith... Then you see a t-shirt that said, I might be fat, but you're ugly and I can lose weight. So, 
Better be a good-looking fat person than a skinny, ugly person. All right. So, so now, <laughs> when you ask, you ask God, Father God, I'm asking you, give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What's going to happen? It'll change your dedication because it takes faith to access grace. Once grace kicks in, you're like, whoo, I broke that barrier. What was it like? Sipping lemonade on the front porch. Let's try it again. What, what was it like to break that barrier? You say, I tell you the hardest thing I ever did. No, you say, it's like sipping lemonade on the front porch. You think that's something? Wait till Mach 2 comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh for a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, it's the easy thing. It's you just saying, God, show me what happened in Christ. Who I am in Christ. Yeah. Show me what you've done for me. Help me to live in the light of redemption. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands up. Father God, we're asking. We're asking. We're asking. You said to ask and you shall receive. We're asking and we keep on asking because we keep receiving. We're asking you, Father, to give us a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. You give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God to know you, Lord. Our hearts cry to know you, to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, to know him in the light of what happened on the cross, his blood, his death, his resurrection. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth. Father God, that you give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. The eyes of our heart flooded with light that we get lit with the revelation of your word. Woo, come on, I just breathe in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I felt in my body I was healed of that plague. Come on, I felt in my life that God's anointing is working in me and I'll never be the same after tonight. I'll never be the same. Fresh revelation, fresh application of the blood covenant. Fresh revelation, fresh application of the gospel of Christ, the word of God. Open the eyes of our heart. Fresh revelation. When you see, we can know your calling, the inheritance that is ours, and the authority and the power that's available to every believer. That we don't have to just tolerate and be a victim of everything that happens around us. Christ has redeemed us and mountains have to move. We have authority over all devils every kind of devil, every kind of demon in the name of Jesus and by his blood. Thank you, Lord, that you made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together with him, and we're seated together with him in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Now see yourself made alive. Same life that raised Christ. Same spirit that raised Christ dwells in you. Made alive, raised up, seated together with him. Take this position. Hold this position. 
seated together with him with the same authority, same inheritance, same blessing. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Thank you, Father God, seated together with him in heavenly places far above the devils under our feet, far below sickness and disease under our feet, poverty and lack under our feet, depression and shame way below us. We're seated with Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you for painting the picture of this revelation on the canvas of our soul and our mind change our identity, who we are. We'll see ourselves in Christ. Thank you, Father God. Fear is gone. Shame is gone. Guilt is gone. A sense of lack is gone. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> victory is mine. Victory is mine. Ah, this is the victory <laughs> that overcome. Victory is mine. Winning is, is all the time thing. I win. Victory is mine over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Victory is mine in Christ. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Faith is the victory. This is a substance of my faith. Seated with Christ. Now, just look at that until you get a little smile on your face. Come on. Then you just go, ha, ah, ah, ah. Well, I'm looking a lot better up there than I was down here. I'm, I'm seated with Christ. I'm looking a lot better. Ha, 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 ha. Ah, he sees me through the blood. He sees me in him. Ha, ha, ha. Woo, now I'm carrying the same life, same anointing, because Christ is in me and I'm in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and we speak. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on now, see it now. Come on, eyes, my eyes, my eyes. Come on, I know you can hear it, but now see it. My eyes, the eyes, the eyes of my heart flooded with light. Whoo, that I may know, that I may know personally who Christ is, who I am in him, that Jesus is Lord. I'm redeemed by his blood. I'm blessed because of his blood. Woo, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The call of God, the inheritance, the future, the plan that you have for our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we may know, we may know, see and know. Filled with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're asking. Come on, we're asking. I said, we're asking. Come on, on Sunday, we're asking. On Monday, we're asking. On Tuesday, we're asking. On Wednesday, we're asking. On Thursday, we're asking. On Friday, we're asking. Come on, Saturday, we're asking. Back on Sunday, we're still asking. Come on, 2021, we're asking. 2022, we're asking. 23, we're asking. Thank you, Lord, for further light. Ha, 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 ha. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, you said building up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. 
Hand alla bocca la brezza catala mandasto. Ronde le vesi che tava salama. Ronde le vesa camanis. Roche che revesto. Anamando la borocoto. To open, open up your resources. All of your resources. Open the resources. Open up all the resources. And open, open the doors. Open the doors. Andolo bronde estele maracatoche. Ah, great doors. Rando sola maracatave. Great doors, great doors of opportunity. Great doors. Ha 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 ha. The goodness of God. Rando so romandes de la Ha ha ha. My spirit prays. My spirit prays. My spirit speaks mysteries, divine secrets, praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Revelation from the Holy Ghost. All mysteries unlocked. Secrets open. For your plan and your purpose, Lord. Every person in here for the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for our lives. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Divinely guided. Thank you, Lord. Divinely guided. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your loving kindness. Just go ahead and take a moment and pray in the Holy Ghost. In the realm of revelation. In the realm of the spirit. To build up, build up ourselves. To show us, oh, you said you would show us your covenant. Show us the secret of your covenant. Show us, show us. Ando posebre estapona manasi. Ronda rebacalavisi andalevoto. To live in the light. Live in the light. Walk in the light. Oh, the light. The entrance of your word gives light. Light. The light. Ronda mesi prav andalabocosto. All through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That we draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled from an evil or guilty conscience. Our body washed with pure water. Come on with cleansing water. Oh, we draw near. We hold fast the confession of our faith. To live, to see, to live in the light. Ronda de Baraste Levesa Labandoso, Ronda de Baracache Levenista, Onda la Boron de la Bandala Visa Labaha. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Remando la Bocosto Lebe. Further light, further revelation, further light, further revelation. Ah, we'll act, we act on the word, we act on what we know, and more light is given. Ah, we act on what we know and more light is given. Further light, further revelation. Thank you, Lord. Now our faith grows exceedingly. Our faith grows exceedingly. We give you the praise and glory for it. Thank you, Father God, the good work you've begun.
you'll bring to full completion through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You're working in us that which is well pleasing in your sight. You equip us with everything we need to do your will. Ha 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 ha. Because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. Whoo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, he walks with me and he talks with me. Come on, didn't our hearts burn while he was talking to us? Amen. Amen. They said our heart was on fire while he was talking to us. Woo! Opening the scriptures to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 